I'm glad I have the opportunity, like I said, to share in front of you, and uh, I'm excited that uh, you all are here this morning. I know we're missing quite a few people. Of course, it's summertime, so I know there's a lot of uh, people taking vacation times and stuff like that, so um, hopefully they're enjoying their time off as well. And uh, hopefully this morning, though, that you guys will get something out of the message. It's a little little bit different this morning. Um, you know, I got to share about a month ago uh, on the story of Joseph, and we talked about from here to there, and how when God gives us a vision in our lives, it never goes from point A to point B in a straight line, right? It, it just, it never does. It has its ups and downs. It even has its backwards and forwards, right? And so as I was sharing that message, I felt like God kind of gave me something else that exact same morning. And so I'm, I'm glad I get the opportunity to uh, bring that so quickly after the last message. Um, and this morning, I'm going to be talking about being overwhelmed. Who here has ever felt like they've been overwhelmed, right? Who here feels overwhelmed today, right? I think that we all go through those times, and, uh, you know, that's okay. There's going to be times where we feel overwhelmed. Um, we feel like there's so much to do and so little time. And so I always say to my staff, no matter how hard you work, there's still only 24 hours in a day, 60 minutes in an hour, and 60 seconds in a minute. You, you can't stretch that out any further than that, you know. And uh, so sometimes it, it, it does get a little tough. And there's times in everybody's life that we feel um, like more is coming at us than we can handle. I think we all feel that way, right? You know, I, I always kind of find it funny. You, you can always tell a new parent, right, a new mom or dad. And it's always funny because you'll be sitting there talking to them, and they give you that blank stare. Like they're looking right through you because they probably haven't slept for probably the last three or four nights. You know, they ha- they're changing the diapers. They're, cha- they're doing all this stuff. And, and I love that because it, right at that moment, they feel a little overwhelmed, right? Mostly as new parents, um, and it's their first one, they're probably daydreaming about sleep. That's probably what they're doing. Um, you know, and I can be honest, I, I remember feeling overwhelmed when I had my first daughter. Um, you know, I, I felt like if she put something into her mouth, you know, you had to call poison control because you were worried. Like, you know, it didn't matter what it was. It was like it, you didn't know if it was okay for them to eat it. Um, and I think any parent understands that. Or, you know, let me ask you, maybe some of you, it's time. Maybe that's where you feel overwhelmed, that there's not enough time to get everything done, right? You rush out of the house to get to work on time. You do two people's jobs for the pay of one person. After work, you rush home. You take one of your kids to karate. Somehow you have to get the second child to soccer practice 20 minutes away, but you've got to be there in 15 minutes, You then go to McDonald's and let your third child play in the McDonald's play area just to get a few minutes of rest. You grab the food. You pick up your two other children to get home. And as you're eating, you just finally notice that you had left your youngest daughter at the play area at McDonald's. (laughs) Sometimes that's the way we feel, though, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. I know we've either done it or we've, we've come close to doing it, okay? Or maybe it's your finances. It's the sickening feeling in your stomach as you walk to your mailbox wondering what bill is going to be in there today and do I have enough money to, to, in the account to cover it? Maybe it's your marriage and you're saying, can we just not argue for just one day? Maybe it's, maybe it's comparison as you see one of your friends post this amazing meal they had just made and you sit there eating your Fruit Loops for the third or fourth time that week. Maybe you didn't feel overwhelmed until I started talking, so... <laughs> Welcome to Harvest Church. <laughs> We all feel overwhelmed at one point or another. There's not a single person who hasn't gone through it. Here's what I want to do this morning, though. I'm not going to try to say I have the antidote 
to never feeling overwhelmed. Okay? I'm not, you know, I think we've all heard messages on being over, you know, being overwhelmed and how we can combat those things. But I want to kind of give you guys something a little bit different this morning, and hopefully you guys can follow me as there's, it's a little, a little bit different than normal, okay? Um, if we can turn to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 13, and this will be kind of our main scriptures for this morning. And it's talking about these ten men. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, Jesus, that be, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. If we go, is that it for that verse? So here's these ten men with leprosy. If anybody had the right to feel overwhelmed, it was these ten men, right? They were being overwhelmed every single day. They were being overwhelmed physically. Leprosy, if you guys don't know, is, it was, it's kind of like a bacterial infection that may not even show its symptoms for five to 20 years after you have it. It's kind of a, uh, it was a scary thing back then. It would cause sores and swellings, cause a loss of feeling to their extremities, to their nerves. And sooner or later, their extremities would literally rot and fall off. And that was what leprosy would do. And it, it would do that until, realistically, they would die. It was, there was no cure for it back then, and it would cause death. They were overwhelmed relationally. Since there was no cure, they were required to live outside the city walls. And in most cases, would not be able to speak or see some of their family ever again. They were overwhelmed financially because of their sickness. They couldn't work, so they had to beg for food. They were overwhelmed spiritually because they couldn't go to church to even worship along other believers. Listen to this, though. With everything that they had going wrong in their life, they had one thing going right. They were in the right spot at the right time because they saw Jesus and they lifted up their voices as they were not allowed to approach anybody because of the leprosy. So they called out to him. They, they, they were you know, yelling out to him saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. How many of us have ever done that, right, when we're going through an issue or struggles in our lives, right? We sit in our rooms or, we, or we're sitting in our cars and we're, and we're realistically calling out to the Heavenly Father saying, God, have, have mercy on us. The thing is, is these guys were in the right spot at the right time. When we feel overwhelmed, it's all about the choices. And the first choice that we have to make is is we have to choose to be in the best place. We need to choose to be in the best place because it is impossible to do right when we're in the wrong place. Your feeling overwhelmed may be you need to ask yourself the question of, am am I in the right place? Where, Where am I at? Am I going to church regularly to worship with others? that are going probably through the same life struggles as I am? Am I going to small groups to find freedom from my issues with with other people who have issues too? Am I serving so that the focus is not on me but on others? I know some of you may not want to hear that this morning, but I'm speaking realistically from the Word. That's what it talks about. It's finding yourself in the right place at the right time. Why do you think the pastor and, and, and our, our staff here push so hard for you to attend on a normal basis, to be consistent? It's not so we can say, hey, look at our numbers, right? That's, that, that means nothing to us in that situation. 
The reason it's important to us is to see the, that you're here consistently is because we all understand that we're all going through issues, and so we need to be in the right places, right? And it needs to start here. We need to start our week in the right place. Or why do we push small groups so much? Who here does is perfect? Nobody, right? And yet we struggle to find ourselves in small groups because we don't want anybody to see the things that are going on in our lives. We don't want somebody to know that we're not perfect. Guess what? They already know. No matter how hard you try to hide it, they know you're not perfect. We push you to go to those small groups because that's what brings freedom. You're struggling because you feel overwhelmed. What, bring, what takes you out of being overwhelmed? Freedom. Right? Why do we push you so hard to, to, to be a servant? Because when you're not focused upon yourself and you're focused upon others and the things that God's doing, you don't have time to be overwhelmed. We want to see you grow. It's not for, it's not for us as pastors and the staff. It's for you to see great things come from you. That we would see you grow, that you, you would overcome your issues, that we'd see you serve others so that you can be edified and encouraged through serving. When we do these things, it's not anything passive. It's an active pursuit to see him change us at our core. How does any of this help us overcome being overwhelmed? It's about being in the right place because when we focus upon God and others, we're encouraged and edified. How does it feel when you're overwhelmed? Maybe tired, sick, depressed, vulnerable, maybe lonely. We've all felt that way at one point or another, right? When we feel overwhelmed. So I'm telling you this morning, when you're in the right place and you're being encouraged, it makes it easier to overcome being overwhelmed. You're being edified when you're at church. You're being encouraged when you're at small groups. You're encouraged and edified while serving others. Encouragement and edification is the prescription to the feeling of of being overwhelmed. Is it going to mean that you're not going to be busy? Of course not. There's not a single person here who doesn't feel busy at one point or another. That's not going to change that. You may still be be busy, but one of the key words to all uh, of this from the beginning is the feeling of being overwhelmed. It's realistically just a feeling. That's where we get stuck. You know, it's like the idea of, well, you know, maybe I've had a tough day and so we we don't have, you know, we're kind of sad or we're down. It's just a feeling. God calls us to so much higher than just a feeling, doesn't he? He says, let the joy of the Lord be our strength, not let's just be happy. Joy is not a feeling. It's, it's, It's something that he calls us to. It's something of who we're supposed to be. That's what he calls us to be. But sometimes we get to, to the idea of that we're stuck with, the, with being overwhelmed because we allow feelings to overcome us instead of allowing God to, to overcome those feelings. We can either get stuck on the feeling or we can allow God and others to encourage, edify, and support us. This is not a feeling but a direct response to what God can do to our core when we allow him to put us in the right place. Look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, Let us not consider one another... In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What it's pretty much saying is, is you have to come to church. That's what it's saying. Or, it's also saying, you need to join a small group. Or, 
It's saying you need to serve others. It says all three of those things in there. It talks about getting together. It talks about building each other up. Because there's not a single person here who hasn't been overwhelmed at some point or another and you need somebody else to help you and encourage you. And that's what God wants. God wants us to work together, to, to build each other up, to encourage each other, to edify each other so that we can do great things above and beyond allowing the feelings to overtake us. Because when we allow the feelings to overtake us, we can't go any further. We get stuck where we're at. It's like getting stuck in the mud. Look at what happens next in Luke chapter 17, verse 14. It says, So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. It says he looked at them and realistically told them to go to church. That's what he told them. He said, Go to your priests. He told them to go to their priests because during those times, that was the only way they were allowed back in the city. The priests had to actually consider them clean for them to come back into, their, into the city walls. It said as they went, they were cleansed. And sometimes the, the, the smallest things, just by taking those steps of faith to go to the priest, is what cleansed them. Sometimes we underestimate what God can do. This is where Jesus and I would have been different. Because I'm one of those people that I'm like, well, why wouldn't he have wanted like, this like, sideshow? Not in a way of like, say, hey, look at me. But in a way of like, look at what, look what God can do. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get everybody gathered up. We're going to bring everybody out from the city. We're going to get their family there so it's emotional. You know, all this stuff. And then, you know what, I'm just going to snap my fingers and the leprosy is going to be gone. But that's not what he did. All he said, he didn't even go to them. It doesn't even say that. All he said is, is as they were crying out, he said, just go to your priests. And as they walked, they were cleansed. News of these lepers being healed would have spread quickly if, if he had brought everybody around, wouldn't it have? But again, he doesn't do that. He says, go to your priests. So what did they do? They literally walked literally step by step, and sometimes that's the problem that we run into when we're overwhelmed. We feel like we have to get from point A to point B in a leap, right? That's why it's realistically feeling that overwhelmed because you've got 15 things going on in your life, and you feel like you've got to get from point 1 to point 15 in a matter of an hour. And figure it all out. And sometimes it's as easy as just taking step by step. As they were walking, they were healed. And sometimes that's what we need to do is just take step by step so that we don't find ourselves being overwhelmed. We get in our mindset that God needs to do everything in an extraordinary way. It's like, well, God's not talking to me. I don't see a burning bush. But sometimes that's the mentality we have. We expect God to do something, just an extraordinary thing. But that is, that's the mentality that we have. And God brings healing through the ordinary, which is still extraordinary and just as miraculous. Some of you are saying, God, I'm feeling overwhelmed and I don't know if I can do this any longer. It may be your marriage and we have a choice to make. We can either take one foot in front of the, of the other. I can wake up and serve my wife and put her needs in front of my own and love her as Christ loved the church. And the next day, no matter how she responded yesterday, I can do it again and again and again, and you do that day after day, and then when you look back, you see that God did something extraordinary by just doing that. By just doing what he's called me to do, step by step. Just by doing the ordinary. It's not real difficult, is it? We sure make it difficult. 
I say the ordinary, but realistically, it's just the principles that God has laid out in his word. The lepers could have said to Jesus, just say that we're healed and we have the faith that we will be healed. And truthfully, that's all Jesus had to do. He could have spoken it right there and they would have been healed. And here's what I love about this story in verse 15. It says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. So one of them saw that he was healed. And, and I find it interesting that not all ten of them notice it. It only calls out the one. So I don't, you know, And I'm not trying to say I know what the other nine saw, but I'm just saying I find it interesting. It only mentions the one that actually noticed that he was healed. And as he was healed, he returned and gave glory to God. And the thing with it is, though, is, is it calls out that he was a Samaritan, which meant he was not completely Jewish. He was actually hated by the Jewish people. And in verse 16, it says, He fell down on his face and at his feet, giving him thanks as he was a Samaritan. And in verse 17, I believe, I don't think we have that in there. If we don't, I apologize. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten that were cleansed, but the nine? Where are they at? Where are they at? Jesus asked the same question that I had to ask. Where's the other nine? And he even calls out the fact, this is a foreigner. It's a Samaritan. That tells me the other nine were Jews. That's what that means to me. Because he calls out that this one foreigner is the one, the Samaritan that came, and here, where's the other nine at? The one that was probably the least likely to return is the way that he looked at it. We question why did one man return and the other nine did not when they experienced the same type of healing? The same type of healing. No matter how many times you read it, they all had the identical experiences. They all had leprosy. They all lived outside the walls. They all cried out to Jesus. They were all told to go to the priest. They were all healed as they went. But only one came back and gave glory to God. Why? Because it's a matter of having the right perspective. That's number two. So you have to have the right perspective when you're overwhelmed. See, the nine had a different perspective than the one. When the nine looked and saw that they were healed, they saw that our cries for mercy had been heard. The one heard that Jesus heard my cry for mercy. The nine saw that they, were, that they were healed, and the one saw that Jesus had healed me. The nine saw that Jesus gave them what they had asked for, but the one saw that Jesus gave them more than he ever deserved. The nine saw that they had been restored to their old lives, but the one saw that Jesus had given him a new life that is so much better than his old life. It's a matter of perspective. If you're writing notes down this morning, I want you to write this down. It says, where you sit determines what you see. When you sit at the foot of the cross, you can't help but see Jesus work in your life. You can't help it. Because where you sit determines what you see. I remember to this day when my dad and mom sat me and my brother and my sisters down. We had a family meeting. We all know what those are, right? Family meeting. I remember my dad explaining to me that uh, my mom had brain cancer. At that time, my mom had every right to feel overwhelmed. Every right to feel overwhelmed. But my mom did not look at it in that way. In fact, I still remember her saying, my life may have changed, but God never changes. The doctor had only given her a couple months to live based upon the size of the tumor, but my mom's perspective was not based upon what the doctor said. 
but it was on the great things that God was going to do. She could have easily have just given up, just laid in bed until she died, and guess what? Nobody would have blamed her for it. She decided the opposite. Okay, God, so where am I going now, and what do you want me to do? It's all based upon perspective. She was always a, a funny story. She always was a person that wanted to make people laugh. And I remember to this day, that I've never really seen my dad laugh but one time in my entire life. My dad's a very serious person. And so I've only really seen him actually laugh one time. And it was during this one time, my, my mom was, was just laughing hysterically in the bathroom. And we're like, what in the world is wrong with her? And she comes out and she's like, I just noticed that my head looks like a scallion onion. And that was just because she only had a couple hairs sticking out of her head from the, the uh, chemo that she was going through. But it was, that, was her, that was her mentality. That was her perspective in life was, is, I'm not going to waste my life thinking to myself, well, I've got cancer, I'm going to die. Instead, her perspective was based upon, well, God, what do you want me to do? Sometimes when we feel we're overwhelmed, we get this mentality that we don't want to talk to anybody and we just want to wallow in our own misery. Or I want everybody, in the exact opposite, I want everybody to know how overwhelmed I am by the way I act or by what I say. I think we've all have probably done that. My mom lived for about four years after the, after the doctor diagnosed her. And some of you may be saying, well, that, that didn't end positively, maybe. My mom touched more lives in that four years than she ever did in her previous 32 years of her life. We were unable to do the funeral service even at our own church at the time. And we had to rent out a church that held about 400 people. And the chairs were still not enough, and we had people lined up against the walls during the funeral. And I remember hearing story after story that day about how my mom had touched her life during those four years and how God had used her at the right time in their lives. She had every reason to give up, to being overwhelmed. But she decided to have a different perspective. She remembered she was a child of God's and that even though she may not have understood why this was happening to her, She's, she was going to allow God to do something in her life instead of allowing cancer to end her life. When you sit at the foot of the cross, you can't help but see God at work in the midst of your circumstances. So what do we do when we're feeling overwhelmed? We have to choose the right perspective. So what is the right perspective to have? To have God at the center of our world. When you feel overwhelmed, we need to put back into the, uh, God back into the middle of our lives. Here's what perspective looks like. Let's look at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I know it's confusing. But that's the, the, the reason I love this verse about having the right perspective. is because, guess what? You don't know everything. Neither do I. And he's not asking us to. He's saying, my thoughts are greater than your thoughts. I mean, he has something so much more in store for us. The problem is, is that sometimes we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed and we don't have the right perspective in our lives that we get stuck into being overwhelmed, that we just allow everything else to overtake us instead of allowing God's perspective, his thoughts, his ways to overcome those things. And he calls us to so much further than what we allow ourselves to reach a lot of the time. I think to myself, Abraham, I love the story of Abraham, where he was, he was told about that he was going to have a son. 
So he gets, he, he's waiting for this son, and after multiple months, here he is in his tent, and he's complaining to God. He's like, God, where is my son? You said I was going to have one. And God says, step out of your tent, Abraham, and look up into the heavens. And he goes, count the stars even if you can. And he goes, that's what you're going to have. We get stuck with the idea of the one when God has something so much more in store for us. But it's based upon the perspective that we have. We have to choose the best perspective, which is the perspective of God. Maybe we need to start praying when, we feel, when we're feeling overwhelmed. God, give me the perspective. Give me your eyes. Give me your ears, your mouth. Give me your perspective. Why? Because having the right perspective may not change your circumstances, but it will change what you see in your circumstances. Lastly, we need to choose the right priorities. Where you sit will determine what you see, but what you see will determine what you will be or who you will be. Where you sit will determine what you see, but what you see will determine who you will be. It's important you have the right perspective because your perspective will determine your priorities you live out in your life. As a believer, it's easy to say what our priorities are, right? I'm going to first love God with everything that I am. I'm going to love my, and serve my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm going to love and serve the gifts that God gave me and my children. Then I'm going to love and serve the people that he has put around me. The problem is, as often as believers, we say those things, but we don't do them. We don't allow those things to be our priorities. We allow it just to be words instead of actions. Do we just say that God is our number one priority, or is he, the only, or is he only our priority when we need something? You want, not, you, you want to not be overwhelmed? Straighten out your priorities. Far too often we, we say, if I, had one more, you know, if I had more time, then I would start my day in God's word. I'd start my day praying, or, I, or I'd start my, my day with um, you know, spending my time with God. But life is just too busy. Or if I wasn't so busy, I'd be at church every week. Or if I had more money, then I would put God first in my finances. When we say those things, we don't have a time problem. We don't have a financial problem. We don't have an opportunity problem. What we have is a priority problem. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it says, And if it seems evil to, to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves what? This day. You guys are not very loud today. Let's try that again. Choose for yourself what? This day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that verse. He says, choose this day who you will serve. Every day we have a choice when we wake up. Every day in what we're going to serve or who we're going to serve. The problem is a lot of the time we allow our priorities to be focused upon what the world tells us it should be. And that's what we end up serving. We end up serving the TV. We end up serving our jobs. We end up doing all those things instead of serving him and allowing God to do something great through us. And we can still do those things. Obviously, God knows it's important for us to go to work, right? The difference is, is when we're not allowing God, our work to control us and we allow God to control us, guess what? When we go to work, we're doing things that are way greater capability than what we do when we do it ourselves. So what may look like that we're going to start 
you know, what this may look like is to say, hey, we're going to start our week at church. All of you guys have done that this morning, but we need to do it consistently. I don't come to church in order to win God's love. That's not why we come to church. I come to church because he has already won my love. I'm going to start my day in God's word and prayer because I know the more I spend with, more time I spend with Christ, the more I see God's work in my life. Because what I, will, what I see will determine who I'll be. Why am I so passionate about this? Because there's been times in my life that I've not been in the, in the best place. I've not looked at things in the right perspective. And I've not had the right priorities. And I've seen where it leads. Because I was, I was in the middle of my own life. I wanted to see my own rewards. But see, the reward of putting God first is not the provision that he brings. Realistically, it fills you up. That's what God does. That's what his reward is. All we do when we we allow it to just be us, it's it's minimal compared to what God does in our life when we allow him to reward us. I asked you a question at the beginning of this. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? I know times are going to come where we feel that way. But my prayer for you is is that when you're in the best place, that you have the right perspective, and you have the right priorities, that you don't find yourself overwhelmed by the things of the world, but now you're allowing God to overwhelm you with who he is. That's what's important. It's not allowing the things of the world, allowing our jobs or allowing the things that you see on TV or the things that we hear from our friends or whatever the case is. It's not about, about allowing those things to overcome us. A lot of the time, that's the reason we're overwhelmed. It's because we've allowed all the things around us and surrounding us to control who we are. But that's not what God wants. God wants to overwhelm you with who he is. When you allow God to overwhelm you, there's nothing that can stop you. It doesn't matter how much stuff you have on your plate to do. It doesn't matter all the things that are going on in your life. He's able to help you overcome those things. And I'm telling you this morning, no matter how perfect you think you are, you can't do it by yourself. It's just not possible. Nobody can do it. You have to have him. You have to allow him to be, to be a part of you. You have to lay yourself as a living sacrifice. All he's asking you to do is to say, hey, let me come in and let me guide you. Let me put you in the right place. Let me give you the right perspective. Let me set your priorities straight so that you can see great things happen. That's what what he's about. He's a father. He wants to see us successful. He wants to see us grow. He wants nothing more than that. Let's pray. Father, I just, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you are a father. I thank you, Lord, that you call me your son. That you love me enough that you gave your life, that you gave your son for us, Lord, that we would know who you are. Even though, Father, we, we sometimes feel overwhelmed, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that 
your ways are above my ways. Your thoughts are above my thoughts. You have something so much more in store for us than that we could ever imagine, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to give each and every single one that's here this morning a purpose. A purpose to see something great happen in their lives. To see, to see them to grow, to be successful, to be successful in their finances, to be successful in all the areas of their life, Lord. That they're not meant to just be overwhelmed, but that you would overwhelm them to see greatness happen in their lives, Lord God. I thank you that you love us that much. We never want to leave here without giving the opportunity. I know, I, I know how busy life can be. I know how, how tough it can be where you just don't feel like your finances are enough. I know how it can be when you feel lonely. But if you haven't accepted God into your life, you'll never really know what true relationship is. You'll really never know what God has in store for you unless you've given your life to Him. That's all He's asking you to do. It's just to take one small step, to give your life to Him so that He can see Thing, a purpose come from your life. So if you've never given your life to Christ, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not, I'm not going to bring you forward. I'm not going to do any of that. I just want to know that I have the opportunity to pray for you this morning. If you've never given your life to Christ, all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand and put it right back down. Anybody at all. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Let's go ahead and pray then. Father, I, th- I thank you for that hand that was raised, Lord. I, it's easy for us to, to, to say from, from one point of view, Lord, it, it, to just say, oh, all I have to do is give my life to you, Father. But I thank you, Lord, that you, it, you're able to forgive us of everything that we've done. No matter what it is, Lord, I know that we've sinned. I know I've done wrong. But you gave your son that we would be saved, Father. You washed our sins as far as the west to the east, Lord. You casted them completely out and you've you've forgiven us, Lord. And Lord, even for that person, Lord, I'm thanking you, Lord, that they're giving their life to you, Lord. That their focus would be upon you, not about the things that are going on in this world, Lord, but that they would be focused upon you, Father. That you would uh, speak to them, that you would give them uh, the vision that you have in store for them, Lord. Let them see how great you truly are as a father. Let them really know what a real relationship is. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hopefully you guys got the word this morning.